We never used to sing Christmas carols before Christmas. We used to just spring it on people on Christmas Eve. But I thought, you know, sometimes we need to plan for things. Do you know how you know it's the school holidays? Because the school holidays have just started. Monday morning, your drive to work will be a lot quieter. And for a, usually a couple of weeks, you've got this hiatus in the traffic where suddenly you think, oh, I love driving to work. But how can you tell it's Christmas? Because guess what, tomorrow morning, as you drive to work, if you're coming down the freeway, there won't be many cars. If you're coming down from, from south, you'll find that the traffic is light. But suddenly, at about 10 o'clock, every supermarket car park, every high-rise car park will suddenly be full. You will not be able to move anywhere. You won't be able to drive down the parade. You won't be able to find a park because it's Christmas time. And people are preparing for Christmas shopping. And it happens all at once as soon as the school holidays start. And from 10 o'clock, you can't move. Until 5 o'clock, your drive home will be nice and clear and smooth. So it's good to prepare for Christmas. And we need to prepare for Christmas as well as as. As, as Christians, we need to actually uh, get past the insanity of what's happening in the world and prepare ourselves for something really good. Because even shopping's insane. Who, who does their shopping online? You know, so far, this month, and it's only, what, what is it, 17th? No, 12th? 12th. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to advance it a week, don't worry. Uh, I've received... Uh, uh, a carton of wine I'd forgotten I'd ordered, um, uh, a new keyboard for my Surface, which I did order, um, and lots of things have come except the thing I ordered for our grandkids. And that, on my email, said dispatched two weeks ago. And I'm thinking, oh dear, hopefully this is not going to be one of those times. We've even got our own Christmas present. And if you're online right now and you know who you are, thank you very much. That was really great. Fill you all in later. But we need to be prepared for these things because things aren't necessarily going to go right. Things are going to be challenging over Christmas. And so before I begin, can I just ask you to close your eyes, lift your hands, let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you for your provision in this time. We thank you that as we celebrate the sun, the birth of your son, rather, Jesus Christ, that we can do it with the intended heart that you have for us. We thank you that we are there as restorers of people's hearts, minds, their lives in this time. Let it be a time of rejoicing, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we do Advent, what are the things that spring to mind? Peace. Joy, and you know, the <laughs> candles. Have we? Oh, we do. No, we don't. Oh, there they are. Yes. <laughs> so I, I haven't got my glasses on, and, I, and I'm a little flustered because my computer is saying it needs my pin to sign in because it doesn't recognise my face, and I don't even have a mask on. So hope, joy, candles, love. No, yes. And peace. These, these are the qualities we think of when we are going through a time of Advent. And candles, of course. And 
They're certainly common themes leading up to Christmas, and they're definitely in the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testament. But when we hear those words on a day-to-day basis, in our, on our, in our everyday life in 2021, what do we see in our mind's eye when I say those things? And I think we probably see what's uppermost in our mind, hope. When I say hope, most of us are just hoping for an end to this pandemic. We're hoping for an end to vaccinations, an end to wearing those flaming masks. But I'm pretty sure that's not the biblical hope. Joy. Joy is that fuzzy feeling that people feel when they don't have to wear masks. But I don't think that's biblical joy either. Love is that nice feeling that we have towards people who think like us or or possibly just small children who are exceptionally cute. But that's not the love we're called to in the scripture. Peace. Peace is what parents and sometimes grandparents hang out for when those cute children we love finally go to sleep. Or if you don't have children and the office Zoom calls are over for the day and you can relax and get your top half to match the bottom half and have, have a bit of time off. Now I know that they're a very select and possibly unrepresentative group of definitions and it may not apply to you, but they're examples of a, a wider range of definitions which are all coloured by our experiences and our biases. And even if we read the scriptural definitions of these, we don't often live what we know the Bible says. It actually reminds me of a, a story about the, the senior minister who visits kids' church. And in, in kids, they're, they're doing this thing on Noah, so the walls are plastered with pictures of animals. And so he thinks he'll, he'll give him a bit of a quiz. And so he says, you know, what's fluffy and grey and climbs trees and eats eucalyptus leaves? And he looks around the class and nothing, no hands go up. And he says, ah, extra hint, um, they carry their babies on their backs and they make horrible grunting noises at night. Still nothing. This tentative hand at the back goes up and he says, yes. And this little girl says, well, I know the answer should be Jesus, but it sounds like a koala to me. And I think we can be the same. It's often easier to reduce our responses to the deeper questions that the Bible asks us to just answering, well, Jesus is the answer. Instead of looking deeper into what the real answer is that doesn't just satisfy our religious tendencies or our preconceptions or our our cultural biases because it doesn't give us any practical currency with which to make a difference in our world. And if we're going to make a difference over Christmas, I think we actually need to to do something. Hope, joy, love and peace are things that we'd like to have happen to us. But I've brought a a new word, restoration, today because who knows to restore something, you actually have to do something. If you've ever restored a piece of furniture or a car or whatever, it's, it's work. You've actually got to do the work. And I believe that when it comes to Christmas, if we think things are going to just happen to us and we take that, that laid-back, do-it-to-me attitude, nothing's going to change. We need to be front-footed Christians. We need to be people who are, who are restorers, that we're going to be not just part of the restoration, but we're going to be in doing the restoration. And you think, well, why have I chosen this term restoration? Well, one reason is that if you look through the Bible, it's probably the main theme of the whole book. The restoration of our relationship with God the Father is woven through the Bible all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And so 
in modern English, we don't actually associate peace with restoration. But in the Bible, both the Old Testament word for peace, shalom, and the Greek word, irani, used in the New Testament, both of them have their root meaning based in the concept of being made complete or restored. So it's not just an absence of conflict. It's not just, you know, it reminds me of those uh, pageants, that used beauty pageants. Uh, and what do you want most? World peace. And you think, what the heck is world peace? What does it actually mean? And biblical peace is not just absence of conflict. It's not just people getting on. It's not just people saying, well, let's bury the hatchet and be friendly for a bit over Christmas. Peace in the Bible is actively restoring things. Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. He came to restore uh, our bodies as much as anything. He came to restore us mentally, physically, emotionally, to make us more like him. And so I I want us to have a shift in our thinking about this idea of peace. It's a great word for Advent, but if we actually want to make a difference at Christmas, I think we need to actually start thinking of it in terms of restoration and that we are going to be the restorers. Jesus' birth in Luke's gospel was proclaimed as the arrival of peace. In Luke 2.14, the angel said, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And Jesus himself proclaimed the peace he was bringing. In John 14.27, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So notice in both of these instances, it specifically refers to to peace being given to or left with those who have made themselves pleasing to God. In other words, those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, not just because he likes us. I was going to say not because he likes us, but I, I think... He does like us, but not, it's not just that. It's actually because he has a purpose for us. You've heard that, that saying, probably because I've repeated it a lot, that when God saved you, he had someone else in mind. And I think that's, that's the thing we forget. We're, we're there for a purpose. And so our modern understanding of peace as being something that happens to us, we need to swap out as a restoration as something that we do, something that we can be involved in, something that God actually wants us to be a part of. And we know from scriptures like Romans 5.10 that the peace Jesus left us was an active restoration of our relationship with the Father, not a passive lack of conflict in our lives. It says in Romans 5.10, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his Son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his Son. And so... This peace that Jesus brought isn't just this sense of relief or this sense of quiet or this sense of calm. It's actually a a restoration of our lives with the life of God the Father. The idea is that he restored to wholeness that relationship because it was broken. And that's why the Apostle Paul frequently refers to Jesus himself as our peace. He was the whole, complete human that we were made to be, but most of us have failed in that area. Some of you might have succeeded, but I know personally, 
I've failed once or twice in that area. If you want to know how many times, ask my wife. Um, but Jesus gave us his life as a gift to enable us to do that. And it means as followers of Jesus, we're now called upon to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace. And that requires humility, it requires patience, and it requires bearing with others in love. Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth. He restored peace through his death and his resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, whether it's our relationships or just out in the world. And that's why the biblical concept of peace is so much richer. And we have to come to an understanding that completeness, it's, it's not like there's a, there's a, a meme and, a, and, I, and I think it's quite true uh, perhaps it's a bit more than a mean, but example of uh, somebody smashes a plate and then glues it back together and shows you the plate and the, the story behind it is that if you hurt somebody, even if you put the pieces back together, the scars are still there. And therefore you can't, you can't revert your mistakes back to, as though they hadn't happened. And you see, the restoration of God doesn't actually want us to do that. God knows that we're going to go through life and accumulate scars, hurts, that we're going to be damaged in one way or another. We're going to face hurdles that are going to try to diminish us. But the restoration that God gives us is to actually give us victory because of our scars. That he's put us together. It may not be how we originally were. We may have scars that can be seen or possibly scars that aren't seen. But his message to us is that victory is in our grasp despite those or possibly even because of those. That the things that he has given us in life will strengthen us to enable us to show people A, that we've been restored and B, that we know the restorer and we can help restore them. And so if we want a message of peace for Christmas, then we need to be the ones to bring it as an act of restoration. I don't know what needs restoring in your life. You may not feel that there's anything in your life that needs restoring, but you have something that you can give into somebody else's life to help restore them. We need to approach Christmas from a position of power and strength not just glide into our Christmas family do's and parties and dinners with this, uh, let's, let's just keep quiet, slide under the radar, perhaps nothing will go wrong, Aunt Mabel won't get drunk, um, Uncle Fred won't uh, tell us war stories again. Um, what, whatever it is that you put up with, let's go in with a, I can be a, a force for good in this time. I can come in with the Holy Spirit and I can change the atmosphere in this place without preaching, without being obnoxious, but you can be a force for restoration. And I want to I, I actually pray right now that we all do that. And I, I believe that if, we go, if we've got to pray, if we're going to do something, if we're going to commit to something, we actually have to take an action. We're going to have to take a step. And so 
Um, I'm going to pray for you guys online in just a sec, but I want you guys here just to prepare because I, I want to do this safely, but I want us to actually take a step of faith while we're doing it. So what I, what I, th- I might do is I'm going to divide the, 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 the church into thirds. You will know which thirds you're in. There's an aisle between you. And I'm going to ask each third of the church to come forward and stand on the altar. Now, if you're families, you can huddle together, but try and keep huddles, you know, 1.5 metres apart um, as I pray. And I'm going to pray from up here, so I'm not going to lay hands on you. But I think that if we're, we're going to make a difference, we have to make that decision now. We have to stand. Can I ask you perhaps just all to stand when we do this? And for those of you online, I ask you to stand right now. I'm going to pray with you first because you might have to perhaps put on a, a hymn or, or a, a worship song or something while we do this for the next couple of minutes. Um, but if you want to stand where you are, in your lounge room, in your kitchen, out walking, whatever you're doing, just stand for a moment and believe with me that Christmas can be different because of you this year. Lord, I pray right now for every single person online that they will have an impact, not through their own cleverness, not through their own words, but through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in their lives as they come to this time of Christmas. No matter what situation they find themselves in, no matter what gathering, what group, that the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives is going to make a change. We're going to see people's hearts moved. We're going to see a shift in relationships, in health of all kinds in people's life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Can we get the big third up here first? This, this side, can you, can you if, if that's what you want to make a commitment to the, this Christmas, come out of your seat right now and just spread across the altar here. Yep, you, you, you can, if you're families, you can cuddle, but don't stand too close to the, uh, the poxy family next to you. There's that Monty Python sketch about being sick of the pox or something, but I've forgotten it, so I'm not going to tell that now. Okay. Come on. The rest of you, just reach your hands out to these guys. Lord, I pray right now that the power of your Holy Spirit falls on these people. They've taken one step towards a commitment to bring your spirit, your healing, your love, your restoration into the lives of the people around them this Christmas. I pray that you fill them, that you enable them, that you give them opportunity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. If you can quickly take your seats in the centre third, move to the front. reach your hands out Lord I thank you that as we take a step of faith you always step towards us to meet us we thank you Lord right now that your Holy Spirit fills and overflows your people we thank you Lord for blessed interactions over this Christmas period we thank you for miracles of healing we thank you for restoration 
in all areas of people's lives as we bring your Holy Spirit into the Christmas mix. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, quickly, back to your seats. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Come on. Last third. Last but not least. And yes, Peter, if you can make it out here, that this is for you too. We'll wait. I'm only 26 seconds over time, which is a miracle for me. You know, sometimes these things require a shift. Who's done pretty much the same thing every Christmas for, say, the last five, ten years? There's There's a real routine and a ritual that goes on in your family. Some, some, some even longer. And I think uh, that's good that we have these, these traditions. But sometimes there are parts of those traditions we need to break. Parts of them become unhealthy. Parts, some of them are there for no good reason. And you could be doing something much better in that time. And so... We need, we need to think of what we can break without breaking the tradition. But something new that we can bring. Something fresh. You know, we, we know that the Spirit of God doesn't bring the same thing time after time after time. God is a God of new things. The Holy Spirit breathes fresh breath when He comes. So come on, reach your hands out to these guys. Let's pray. Lord, fill your people with your spirit. Let your Holy Spirit be uppermost in the hearts and the minds and the speech of us at Christmas. Let the traditions that we enter into be blessed by our presence. Let there be change for the better. Let things that need chopping off get chopped off and things that need to grow be given new life. We thank you that your presence in our lives is a blessing to us and to those around us as we approach this festive season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.